morning. We pray God's choices, blessings upon you all. We're thankful that God has blessed you on this day. This is a day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Let me say that again. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we ought to rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Your being here is a testimony of God's goodness, and I'm thankful for all these testimonies that I see out here songwriter said, I'm a living testimony, and each of you are living testimonies of God's goodness, his mercy, his grace, his kindness, and I'm thankful to see so many testimonies among us. For all of our visitors, we say welcome. We praise God that you are with us on this morning, and we pray, yeah, come on, Bright Temple, give them a hand. We pray that you will take your next opportunity to be with us again. I'm excited about the word of the Lord this morning. I want to go quickly there. If you'll follow me to 2 Kings, the fourth chapter, and we'll be looking at verses 8 through 17. That's 2 Kings chapter 4, looking at verse 8 through 17. Thank God for my wife, First Lady, on this morning. Praise God for her and for each of you. We're sharing from our series that we started on this month. We're talking about an upgraded experience. How do we live an upgraded experience? It's based on our scripture. The Lord Jesus himself said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. We believe that we should be living an upgraded experience and we're sharing a few stories as to tell what that looks like. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 8 reads like this. One day Elisha went, to, went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God, who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls. And put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, now say now to her, see you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, what then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, call her. And when he had called her, he stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time, the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. Our thought for this morning is, don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. I don't mean this in the traditional sense that we may think when we hear those words conjured together, but I mean it in the sense of expectation. I mean it in the sense that sometimes, 
And the, and the question that I have underlying our text on this morning is, are you prepared for what God is willing to do for you? Are you prepared for what God is willing to do for you? Obviously, as we see this text, this woman was not mentally or emotionally prepared for what God was willing to do for her. And I begin to wonder, are you? Am I? Am I prepared for what God is willing to do? Not what he has already done, but what he is able, what he has the capacity to do. We often say that now unto him that is able to do exceeding us abundantly above all that we can ask or think. So there are things that God is willing to do that extrapolates our imagination. The question is, are we mentally prepared and willing to accept what God wants to do for us? And, and, and if you don't leave with anything else, let me, let me put this in your heart and your mind. God wants to do more. Whatever level you're on, God wants to do more. Whatever the expectations that you have for your own life, God wants to do more. Point at somebody and say, God wants to do more. He wants to do more, but sometimes he's limited by us. We limit what God desires to do for us. We limit it. And let me tell you, give you two examples of how we limit it. The prophet went to the, the house of the king, and the king was, he had been, been so vexed by the army of Syria who was coming against him. And when he went to and talked to the, the, the leader of the army, the king, he said to him, he said, shoot your bows out the window. That's going to be representative of what God is about to do with you. And he, he shot the bow out the, out the window, and he said, that, well, God is going to give you deliverance even through the distance that you've shot it. But he said also, he said, now take a bunch of arrows and bang them on the ground. And he banged the arrows three times. And he told him, he said, you are going to beat back your enemies three times. He said, I would that you would have continued to bang the arrows on the ground until you utterly obliterated your enemies. So basically what he told him, the amount of success that he was going to experience against his enemies was based on his own willingness to do what the prophet had asked him. Let me give you another example. The woman who had no oil, the prophet went to her house, and he said, now go and borrow vessels, not a few, so that God can fill those vessels with oil. So she went out into the houses of, of her neighbors, and she, and she brought vessels into her house that were empty vessels. And then as she began to use the, the container to, to pour out oil into all of the vessels, she poured them all, and the oil continued to flow. The only reason it stopped is because she had no more empty vessels, which meant God's capacity to bless her exceeded her ability to hold them. Her ability, her availability limited what God was going to do for her. So sometimes what, what I'm saying is our capacity to receive what God wants is so underwhelming that we limit God in what he wants us to do. We limit him. Okay. Keita, send little man up here. Where's little man? Tell him to come up here if he doesn't mind. If he feels okay. Come here, buddy. I thought about you. Come on up here. 
Don't y'all scare him. Y'all smile at him now. <laughs> y'all give him a hand as he comes up here. <laughs> I thought about him as we were making preparations for this message. Thank you, buddy, for helping me out. I was thinking of somebody really small. When you prepare a plate for him so that he's full, don't give me the same size plate that you give him. <laughs> don't give me the same size plate. I'm going to need a little bit more than what you put on his plate. Now, Mama said he can eat, but I'm going to need a little bit more. Thank you, buddy. You can go back to you. So give him a hand again. I'm going to need a little bit more than that. My capacity is greater than his. And sometimes we ask the question as to why God is pouring blessings in someone else's direction. And maybe not mine, but maybe they have more capacity than you do. Maybe they have a little more places in their life that they've made more available to God than you have. Maybe their emptiness, get this, because it's counterintuitive, maybe their emptiness exceeds yours. Let me tell you something. God likes emptiness. Why, why, why does God like emptiness? Because things that are empty, he has the capacity and the willingness to feel. But there are some things that we have in our life that we've already filled up with all of our stuff, with all of our mess. Let me tell you why God likes emptiness. He tells us, he said, one of the first commandments, love the Lord thy God with all thy might, with all thy soul, with all thy heart. That means you are making all of those things available to him. You are not giving those things to other people, to your job, to your to, uh, to, to your friends, to your relationship. You're not giving those things away to him. God is only going to fill the spaces in your life that you allow to be empty. He is not going to force you to remove what you have already put in place. He will only fill that which is empty and which you have made available to him. Let me tell you something about this woman, this, this woman who had prepared a, a, a place, prepared a guest room for the prophet. She prepared a guest room, and then when he got there, when he, he, was, he was overwhelmed by her hospitality. Understand, last week we talked about obedience, and we're talking about hospitality. This woman had already shown herself to be obedient to God. Nothing that I say on this week cancels out what we spoke about last week. You have to be obedient to God if you want to see, live an upgraded experience if you want to take hold of his abundant life. She had already shown obedience to God. The man comes to her house, and then he sends his servant to ask her, what is it that you need? You have attended to my needs, God's man, but what is it that you need in your life? And she said, I don't need anything. There's nothing that comes to mind. She was content on a level, and we were like, sometimes we're amazed by her contentment. But on another level, sometimes contentment is a result of resignation. And what do I mean by that? We're content because we're resigned to the notion that certain things were not simply going to happen for us. What is it that you once dreamed about that you've now resigned from? 
you have withdrawn from. You no longer think that it was, will happen. This woman wanted a son. She desired a child. She desired to have children in her house. She wanted that. But she had resigned from that possibility a long time ago to the point that even when the prophet asked her, is there anything I can do for you? She said no. Because she no longer believed that it could happen for her. Are there things right now that God has told you but you no longer believe that it can happen for you? Too much time has elapsed. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm in a different stage in my life. I've fumbled too many opportunities. There's there's, there's too much between me and God where I don't think that can happen for me anymore. Or or maybe I'm thinking scientifically the odds are against me or, or, or it's just not possible. How many things have we resigned from that God said you can have? I'm still going to stand on God's word. I'm not going to resign from anything that God told me was mine. It may not have happened on your timetable, but God does not operate in time like we do. A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day in the eyes of God. He doesn't operate on our timetable. God could have blessed Abram and Sarah to have children in their 50s, but his timetable doesn't work like ours. So he waited till Sarah was 90 and Abram was 100 because in the eyes of God, time does not operate. He doesn't operate by time. He created time. He looked out and said, he said, let there be light. There was light. He's not constrained by time. He created the things that we operate to use time for. He created light and darkness. That's who God is. So he's not bound by time. So any of you right now who are believing that your time has passed, understand that God exceeds time. And that we don't work, God does not work on time just like we work. He sees it much differently. This woman had made a resignation in her mind. And why did she resign from this notion? She resigned from this notion. And any time you do, it's because you lose hope. And I want to speak to somebody today to tell you don't lose hope. Or point at somebody and say, don't lose hope. It, it, it may seem like the, 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 the situation has ended, but, but don't lose hope. And, and, and as my testimony as to why you shouldn't lose hope, let me, let me talk about Lazarus. Lazarus was sick. And Jesus was informed before he was sick that it was a sickness that seemed like it would be unto death. But it said Jesus tarried where he was for four more days, understanding that he would have to make the long journey. So he tarried, and then later he got word that Lazarus had died. And what did he tell the disciples? He said, let us go to his house. And they're like, Lord, what's the rush now? He, he, he's died. We can wait around four more days, and he's still going to be dead. And Jesus responded to them and said, he is not dead. He's simply sleeping. And, and, and Peter was like, hold on now. There, there's a difference between the word died and sleeping, and, and I don't think we misinterpreted what they told us. And Jesus later clarified 
And, and, I, and I like to revise his clarification. His clarification was, to you he's dead, but I haven't shown up yet. <laughs> to, to you he's dead, but, but, but I have not yet arrived. And to somebody today who thinks your situation is dead, I, don't declare it dead. Don't declare it beyond repair. Just, you're just waiting on Jesus to show up. And I wish I had somebody who had a little faith who said, I'm just waiting on Jesus to show up. Jesus gets there and they said, well, Jesus, let me, let me show you how counting works. Uh, we, we told you a while ago, but now he, he's dead and, and he's been dead four days. Four days was significant to the Jewish tradition because they believed that the spirit might hang around the body for around three days. We have to understand that medical science wasn't the same that it is now. Sometimes they'd bury people and they'd get back up. But he wanted to make good and sure that he was away long enough so they understood what was happening. So four days later, he arrives. And then he says, and then Martha has the nerve to say to him, so I know he'll arrive in the resurrection in the last day. Jesus said, baby, I am the resurrection and the life. But she, he speaks and he says, Lazarus, come forth. So even in the middle of that situation where everybody thought everything was over, Jesus still brought it back to life. And that's why they say it's not over until God says it's over. So don't lose hope. Whatever it is that you've resigned to, whatever notion that you've allowed the devil to cause you to accept in your mind, don't lose hope. Because hope brings patience. The Bible says when, when God declares something in our life, we, 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 we hope for that thing, and then we do with patience wait for it. The reason I still am patiently waiting is because I have hope. But somewhere along the, the line, the Shunammite woman had lost hope. And I, and I need you to buy this and get this and, and take this with you. Whatever your situation you're dealing with, don't lose hope. That's how the devil distracts you. He, he doesn't say it's not going to happen. He just gives you all the reasons why it won't. He, he didn't say you're, 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 you're not going to make it, but he said, mm, you, you, you might need to look at your birth certificate. You, you, you're a little old now. And, and I don't know if it's going to happen for you. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't tell you you're not going to get the raise, the job, or the promotion, but he said, well, well you might want to look at your resume. There's some things that are missing here that, that might be helpful in getting that job. He tries to give you the reasons why it won't happen. I tell you that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, but so also does doubt. Doubt comes by hearing. If you keep listening to the wrong people, then you'll lose hope. And if you lose hope, then you lose the patience you need to wait for what God is trying to do. God is saying, I'm trying to do it, but you're limiting me because you no longer have hope. Because, see, when you have hope, little things look like evidence. Oh, I need you to come in here with me. When you have hope, small things look like evidence. 
Oh, have you ever, ever, ever been with a, with a grandma who's been praying for a long time? And, and it doesn't have to happen, but something like it happens. And she'll be like, mm, see, told you it's going to happen. I told you it was coming. When you look with hope, a little cloud the size of a man's hand feels like a downpour is coming because you have I wish I were in here with me. Because you have hope, small evidence that God is dropping in your life, you hang on to it when you have hope. Because faith is the substance of things. Come on, come on, somebody Bible read. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the, the, the evidence of things not seen. So along the way to you receiving what you've hoped for, God drops some evidence. And the evidence renews your hope, and the hope renews your patience, and then you're saying, I can wait for it because God sent me some proof that, that, it's, that it's coming. God sent me some evidence that it's on the way, and somebody, even on this week, I, I want to challenge you to look back over this week because God's telling me in my spirit that he sent you some evidence. Uh, uh, of what he already told you. He, he sent you some evidence to confirm what he's about to do. God said, I'm sending you evidence to renew your hope. And whatever you do, to point at your neighbor and say, don't lose hope. So, so, so the woman, she had become resigned that, that, that I'm not going to receive this child. I'm not going to give birth to this child because I have lost hope. Because all of the evidence that I've seen seems to suggest that it won't happen. But when you understand that that's just the devil. <laughs> because when you pray, pray helps give you, prayer helps give you discernment. Because there'll always be something sent in your direction. But prayer gives you discernment to know where is that coming from? Did that come from the devil? Or did that come from God? Oh, come on now. I tell you, sometimes you pray for things and the devil can send you something that looks like what you prayed for. Uh, I wish I had. I wish I had a few. <laughs> I, I wish I had somebody who was in a relationship that you went through a little bit and you thought it was from God. And you recognize a little bit later that the devil heard my prayer, too. <laughs> and he sent something in my direction. And after I was with it a while, I understand the, when they, what they mean by the blessings of the Lord, maketh rich and addeth no sorrow with it. If God sent it, I'm not going to have to cry about it every night. I'm, I'm trying to help somebody this morning. If God sent it, I'm not going to wake up in, in the middle of the night worrying about what has been sent to me when God sends it. Somebody say, when God sends it. When, when God sends it, I, I feel different about it because it adds and it does not subtract from me because God sent it. But, when, when, but what I, I'm telling you is that when I'm expecting, when I'm hoping for things, I'm hoping even on top of hope because I don't just hope for one thing. I hope for other things. I'll tell you one thing that I learned even at, at this church that when we began to do some things here, when we began to make some renovations, and some of you see, excuse our progress, I'll say, you see we're, we're finishing up the roof. There are things that we're doing. What I found out is that when you step out on God, you are opening more capacity 
and God will fill that capacity. What I'm saying is if you're, if you're not working on anything, you don't need more. Some of you saying, I, I need more money. Why do you need more money? What are you working on? I'll point at somebody and say, what are you working on? What, what, are, you, what, are, you, what are you working on? You, you, you need more money for what? What are you going to do with that more money? You're going to eat more snacks and watch more television? What, what, what do you need? What do you, what do you need? What do you need more money for? So, so what happens is when you step out by faith and we say, Lord, we need to renovate our sanctuary. God said, I'll send more resources to do. I wish y'all would help me here. To do what you, what you want to do. When we said, Lord, we want to work, we want to renovate our bathrooms and we want to fix our roof. And, and God said, I, I see what you're doing here. He said, I'm going to send more resources to fill that capacity. And some of you want more resources, but you haven't stepped. I'm, I'm trying to help you here. You haven't stepped out. He said, when you step out, you create more emptiness and I'll send more resources. When you step out on what I told you to do, you don't need a home loan if you're going to stay with your mama all your life. Y'all ain't talking to him. You don't need a car if you don't have a driver's license. Come on in here with me now. He, when you step out on God, he fills that emptiness with his resources. So that thing God told you to do, You said, I don't have resources. God said, you haven't stepped out. So you stay right here, and God holds his resources. But they say, my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. But I don't need it until I step out. (laughs) David didn't need any stones until he went out to see Goliath. But when he went out, he found the stones. Because, but he first had to step out. You have to step out in faith. And God says when you step out, you're going to receive those resources that I've been holding for you. Because they're already there. Somebody pointed at somebody and said, God's got it. God, God there, there is no doubt in my mind. There should be no doubt in your mind that God, God has it. It's not because God doesn't have it. It's because you don't need it because you haven't stepped out on God. So the woman, she, he asked her, he said, what is it that you need? What is, what is it that you desire from God? And she said, nothing. But he went to his servant and his servant said, well, let me tell you what the facts are. She has no son. And she is old. Her husband is old. It's not likely that that's about to happen unless you step in. So he goes and talks to the woman. And and the prophet says to the woman, he said, about this time, according to the time of life, he's saying, well, let me do my math right quick here. He said, well, it's about August. (laughs) Sometime in the spring, I want you to know, that you're going to bring forth a son. But the woman was so resigned in her life and in her mind. She said, Lord, don't lie to me. Don't, 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 don't lie to me. Don't. I, my mind is so I- I- entrapped 
by my circumstances that I cannot conceive that what you're saying will even happen. Don't lie to me, Lord. Well, I came to tell somebody, I said, I'm going to tell you, it's time to take a step. Why don't you name and tell them it's time to take a step. God's about to reveal something to you that when you hear it, you're not going to believe it. I wish you were here with me. He's about to reveal something that he's about to do for you. That when you hear it, you're not going to believe it. You're going to think just like this woman. Lord, don't, don't, don't lie to me. I'm too old for this to happen. I'm too young for this to happen. And I don't have enough education for this to happen. I, I don't have enough experience for this to happen. I don't have enough money for this to happen. But God told me to tell somebody, he said, I just need you to take a step. He said, if you take a step, he said, watch me do it. <laughs> if you take a step, he said, watch me do it. Watch me do it. And then I thought about it, Brother Chuck. I was thinking about, uh, uh, in my mind, in my imagination, I was thinking about a man who, who had been in the desert all day, and he took a fish sandwich home. And his wife was like, where did you get this fish sandwich? And the man was like, well, I was out in the desert listening to Jesus. And, and, and while I was out there listening to Jesus, all of us got hungry, but, 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 but Captain D's wasn't open. And, and, and Jesus, he, he saw a little boy who had a little, a little snack pack in his Scooby-Doo lunchbox. And he said, this, is this all the food that we have here? But, but he said, well, whatever that is, he said, bring it to me. And somebody's right there in that stage where you think what you don't what you have is not enough or, or you don't have what you need. God is saying, bring that to me. Bring me your bank account. Bring me the check that you get from work. Uh, uh, Y'all are going to talk to me. Bring me your sickness. Bring me your illness. Bring me your fears. Bring me your resignations. God is saying, bring it to me. Take the boys little lunch pack, and Jesus begins to break it and bless him. He began to break it and bless him. And in my mind right now, I see God's hands in your life, and he is breaking. He is breaking, and he is blessing. The thing that's causing you to lose hope, he's beginning to break it. The thing that you said is not enough, he's going to break it. The thing that you don't think you can do, he's going to break it and bless it. And Jesus kept on breaking it and in blessing it. But not only that, not only did he feed everybody that was there, they said they had 12 baskets that were left over. Somebody say 12 baskets. 12 baskets that were left over. And when I began to think about it, I was like, Lord, why would you waste that food? Why would you have 12 black baskets that were left over? But he said, I did that for my own sake. He said, because I wanted people to take a little bit home. So when they went home, somebody would ask them, where did you get that fish sandwich? 
I don't understand, but then the person had to tell the story over and over again. And I came to tell somebody this morning that God's about to bless you. And when he blesses you, he's going to cause it to overflow. And the reason there's going to be overflow, because somebody's going to ask you, where'd you get that fish at? I need to know how the Lord blessed you with it when it seemed like you were in the middle of nothing. You live on my street. How are you able to live the way that you live? You work on the same line that I work on. But how was God able to bless you with that? What I came to tell you is it's time to step out. And God said when you step out, I'm going to fill you up and I'm going to cause you to overflow. Somebody put their hands together and give God There is a need for us. God wants to fulfill your needs. But sometimes you have to step out and make it a need. Let me tell you how God blessed us here. It was February of 2019. It was in my heart that we start doing things relative to upgrading our church. February of 2019. So I said, Lord, let's start on the outside. That's my thought. More people see what's on the outside. God said, I need you to start on the inside. So we started here in our pulpit. February 2019. Piece by piece. And when they began to rip things down, there are people in this house, you don't have to raise your hand, begin to ask the question, what are we doing? <laughs> what, what in the world are we doing? <laughs> what, what's, what's going on in here? I, 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 don't, I don't understand what, what we're doing. Why, why, why are we ripping things out? And, and why are we exposing walls and trying to build new walls? What, what are we doing? But God was trying to show us something. He was showing me something. Because like I said, I wanted to start on the outside. He said, start on the inside. So for months, we had instruments on the floor. We had exposed plywood up here. We had spackling because there was no wall below, below our baptism there. And we were going through a phase and God was showing us something that we really did not even understand. February 2019. So month by month and little by little, we're, we're finishing things. And then it was on March the 12th, 2020. We were making preparations for our 90th year celebration. March 12th, remember that, 2020. Because our celebration was on March the 15th. So on March the 12th, our, our contractor, Brother Nunez, he said, called and said, Pastor, I'm finished. I have it completed. We, of course, run up and I had to come see it. I came and looked at it and I said, Brother, that looks good. What I didn't know is that we'd have our 90th celebration on March the 15th. And on March the 16th, our governor said, you will not have any 
gatherings of more than 50 people because COVID was shutting everything down. But let me tell you what happened on, in January 2019. I said, Lord, I want us to be able to stream our services. <laughs> January 2019. And then when God gave me that in February, February, I didn't understand what he was doing. But then after March 15th, when it was finished and we had our service, streaming was our only option. God was preparing us. He was preparing us. So every little step of faith that we had, God would provide resources. And let me be honest, I didn't know what streaming looked like. I was like, okay, we're going to point a little camera at the front and we're going to stream. And that sounds good, but what I didn't understand was sound. It was a lot more steps to make that sound the way that it was supposed to sound. But every time we took a step out, God blessed us. We need to mic up the drums. God blessed us. We need to put a mic on, on the organ. God blessed us. We need to figure out how to have different angles in the sanctuary. God blessed us. We need to upgrade our soundboard. God blessed us. Every step along the way, God blessed us because why? When we stepped out, God sent resources. And I thank God that I serve a God that when I step out by faith, he's going to do it. When you step out, he's going to do it. Point at three people and say, when you step out, he's going to do it. When you step out, he's going to do it. When you step out on God, he will do it. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. Hallelujah. Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for your word of faith. Lord, for those of us who have been resigned, for those of us who have lost hope, for those of us who have given up on our dreams, for those of us who's given up even on the words that you have spoken into our lives. Lord, we're proclaiming hope over your people right now in the name of Jesus. Hope will bring patience, Lord. And Lord, we shall not be ashamed for having patience with your word. For Lord, you will always come through. You're not a man that you should lie or the son of man that you should repent. But everything that you should have declared, it will happen, even according to thy word. And we claim that right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, put those hands together and give God some praise. For those of you who've been watching this virtually, we pray that you will live by faith and don't lose hope until we shall see you again. I hope and pray that each of you were touched and inspired by our service today. If you wish to partner with us, you can do so by Giveify. Download the app on Apple Store or Google Play and search for Bright Temple. If you wish to partner with us on Cash App, just look for Bright Temple in the two line. And in the four line, tell us the purpose of your gift. If you would rather mail your gift, you can mail us at Bright Temple, Post Office Box 453, Shelbyville, Tennessee, 37162. Thanks in advance for your generosity, and we pray God's blessings on you and your gift.